Hey all, Greg here. I was fortunate to sit down and have a conversation with Derek Dennis, Chad Jeter, and Jordan Reeves, where we talk about race, social media, and life in the CFL. Uh, just a heads up, there is a few curse words, uh, but I didn't want to edit these guys out because what they said is real and true to what's going on in today's society. Also, uh, in the middle, uh, Chad uh, gets kicked out of a park, so it may sound a little weird, but I wanted to keep it in because it's truly where we're at in 2020, so enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to a special uh, edition of Piffle's Podcast. One thing about me, Alex, and Steve, we are whiter than a mayo sandwich on Wonder Bread. And there's been a lot of stuff going on these days that we figure we need three very strong voices to talk about some stuff that's been going on in the world these days. And the three guys are very vocal and outspoken and great guys all around. We've got Jordan Reeves, Chad Jeter, and Bone Crusher himself, Derek Dennis. So thank you guys for coming on and talking about everything that's going on right now. Thanks for having us. Sure. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate appreciate the invite. Yep. So we'll start with Derek Dennis here, New York born. Tell me how. Tell me a bit about your uh, upbringing up in uh, New York. All right. Well, uh, I'm originally from Queens, New York. Um, one of the five boroughs in New York City. Familiar with the area. Uh. So I grew up mostly in the city. Um, my parents bounced around a lot when I was a kid. I actually uh, like had real humble beginnings. Like I remember to like the age of four, man, me and my family used to live out in our cars type of thing. So I know what the struggles is like of um, coming from like a, a, a rough background, being surrounded by gang violence and drugs and family members in and out of jail. So the dynamic that I grew up in, you know, for me to be in the position that I'm in today, it's kind of like a, like a huge success story to most people who kind of know where I come from. So, um, I mean, my, my thoughts on everything right now is just, I'm just, I mean, it's, 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 it's like a real roller coaster to be honest. Like some days, you know, I'm feeling good about the things that people are like trying fighting for and talking about. And some days just watching a lot of this stuff happen. Um, it's just painful, especially because I, I lived through like some of those situations where like, it could have been a situation where I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here today. I could be one of those people that, that everybody's championing, you know, justice for and all that. I've been in situations where even like a couple of years ago, I think my second year in Canada, I was back home in New York and I went to a um I went to a cookout with one of my friends, my friends have a big cookout every every um somewhere in the Bronx. And uh I went home and I remember just walking down the street and I was walking back to my car. I didn't have anything on me. And most of the time this is after New York passed the law for like Stop and frisk where they don't need probable cause. They can just, if they look at you and they feel like you got something on you or they want to mess with you, they can just run up on you and do whatever. And a lot of, a lot of cops in New York dressed in, in street clothes. So you don't know they police, you don't know they police, like the bag is not out. You just see a dude with street clothes on just running up on you, like, yo, what you got? You know, and then they, and then the badge comes out and then you're like, well, you a cop? Like, why you ain't say that? Like, press me up against the gate. It was like, Bob, press me up against the gate, hand me up. It was like, oh, you got any drugs on you? You got any this? Like, I'm like, yo, I'm just, I'm just leaving the cookout. Like, y'all came to shut the cookout down. I'm going home. Like, I ain't, I don't want no problems. Like, they're like, oh, you was walking funny. That's why they, that's why five of them jumped because they thought I was walking funny. So they just assumed I had a gun on me or something. Like, that could have been a situation that could have ended real bad for me. But luckily, you know, I went to college. I got a degree. Um, even though I may look a certain way, you know, I wear hats, I wear chains, I wear clothes that people associate with gangsters and all that 
but I'm, I'm college educated, so I know how to speak for myself. I know how to articulate myself. And thank God for that and having parents that how to, you know, talk to police and stuff like that. Or could have been a situation where I could have just said something the wrong way that they took it, or I could have moved a certain way where one of them could have said they felt threatened, and that could have been my life. So, I mean, it's, it's something that as, as a black person, you, you, you live with it. If you live in certain areas, you're going to deal with it. I know for probably for Chad and especially for, for Jordan being down in the South, it's different too. I used to live in Charlotte for almost two years. So I know what it's like being in the South, but up North, it's just like when you, it's, it's the dynamic, like it don't, the dynamic is different in terms of like how certain black, black communities move, but we all get the same treatment. Well, Chad, he just alluded to you being from the South. What, what are your experiences? How are they different from his? Or are they much similar? Yeah, I'm from, I'm originally from, you know, Columbia, South Carolina. And South Carolina at our state house, we had the Confederate flag up up until I think 2015. So it was just five years ago, our state building had the Confederate flag flying downtown all day. So, I mean, that tells you right there how, you know, racist it is down there in the South. And I've never been in, luckily never been in like a, like a life-threatening situation, you know, like bone crusher, because that, could have very well been a life-threatening situation. You know, he, five police officers pressing him up against the gate. Like, he's black, a big black dude. Like, that That could have ended, like you said, very wrong. But I've never been in, like, a situation like that. But, I mean, down there, you just get looked at. You get looked at crazy by white people, by cops all day, every day. You know, like, when you, in high school, you know, when I first got my license, all you want to do with your friends and, you know, you know, ride out on Saturdays, go to the mall, go to the movies, do stuff like that. And, like, it's dangerous for about five, six black dudes to get together and go do stuff like that because you never know when someone's going to walk up on you and, you know, treat you differently because you're black, that you got something on you because you're black. And it's just like my mom was afraid for me to go out and do stuff like that. She would always tell me, you know, if you get pulled over, call me, FaceTime me, and, you know, keep the phone on at all times. You never know what's going to happen. And that's just crazy because, like, the police is supposed to be out here to protect us. I shouldn't have to... I shouldn't, my mom shouldn't have to, you know, tell me, you know, if you get pulled over by a police officer, FaceTime me just to make sure nothing ever happens. That should never have to come out of a parent's mouth. So, I mean, it's just like down south, man, it's crazy. And it's still very crazy. Like who would have, who would have ever thought that it had taken to 2015 to take a Confederate flag down from your state building? Like, I don't know. It's just wild. And Jordan, of course, uh, you've both got a Canadian and an American passport, but Winnipeg's where you call home. Um, did you have to have the same conversation they had with your parents about what to do if you get pulled over by the police or anything like that? Uh, no, no, I, we didn't have that kind of conversation. Um, you know, luckily I grew up in a, a good neighborhood, um, mom being white, dad being black, and uh, my dad was a sheriff growing up. So uh, law enforcement knew my dad's name. So, you know, I was I was a bad kid growing up. That's that's no surprise. You know that's no secret to anybody. So um, you know his name definitely helped me out a lot. Uh, just having that, just his name having respect throughout the police and you know law enforcement Winnipeg. So um, you know I didn't get the treatment that Bone uh, would have received or you know that Chad got down south. Um, but you know the the crowd I hung out with, I hung out with uh, a lot more immigrants. Um, hung out with a lot more black um, people growing up. So, 
you know, I saw it, I saw it not as bad as, as the States would, but, you know, I saw it just as much, you know, I've been, I've been followed from my house um, to go pick up my girlfriend at the time. And I, I, you know, I remember going two over and they pulled me over just to search the car. And, you know, it's, it's little stuff like that, but uh, Bone, Bone touched on it. You know, he's college educated. Uh, he's well-spoken. And, you know, I, f I find that that helps me out a lot, you know, when uh, a cop comes to me uh, in a potentially hostile situation and, you know, I I'm not talking with slang. I'm not talking like, you know, I'm from the hood or anything. And they, and they kind of, uh, they're not as uh, threatened right away. Cause I kind of, I kind of soften it up with my, the way I speak and they hear that I'm an educated person. So, you know, right away, they don't really feel as threatened, but um, you know, definitely when I moved down south, I, you know, I kind of see it a little bit more down there. Uh, you know, I've only been pulled over twice down there and the uh, same, same kind of scenario, you know, I'm, I'm scared when they come to the car, they're, they're a little bit more on edge, but until I start speaking and, you know, they kind of hear that well-spoken, um, you know, educated, uh, they kind of, they're not as threatened anymore. So um, luckily, like Chad, I've never been in a, a threatening situation like Bone has, but uh, you know, growing up in Winnipeg, it, it is just as bad. Um, it's just not on the scale as it is in the United States. How old were, were you guys when you had that conversation with your parents? Me? I must have been like, I want to say 11. Wow. Yeah, That's like, like that, and I, yeah. I would say 11. That's probably around like 9th grade. It's around like 9th, 10th grade for me. So I was about what, twelve, I guess. Crazy. So, with everything going on right now, like, what can people like me do to help? Like I said, we, when me, Steve, and Alex talked about doing something like this, like we have a small platform, but what can, what else can we do? I mean, I, I get asked that question a lot, especially in the last like couple months. And what I always tell, what I always tell people, like, personally, for me, it's like, it's, it's the, the change will come when those small bubbles get affected. So, like, it's not like a real dramatic, like, big platform that if you think it happens on a big platform, it's going to change. The changes occur, like, in those small platforms. So, like, those small families have those talks with their family members, and it kind of just trickles out and spread, like, that's that's where the change needs to come because, to be honest, like in my opinion, racism is still heavy and prevalent because those families like they held on to traditions and they they kept passing it down, kept passing it down, kept passing it down. And I feel like if there's some like like a break in the chain where they stop passing those thoughts, like it's 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 not gonna carry on. But see, the problem is like now, I, I, honestly, like I've seen this stated, but like. A small part of me is happy Trump became president because now the people who've been hiding for all this time about how they truly felt, they're being exposed now. And it's not as they, they feel like they're not afraid to hide anymore because they know there's somebody who's in the most powerful seat in the most powerful country in the world who feels the same way they do. So they think it's okay for me to come out now and say it. So now it's a little easier to deal with that because now I can see clear as day who are the people that I need to make sure, you know, I know how to be around them. I know how to interact around them. Like, like the other day with Brian Urlacher, I was in a locker room with Brian Urlacher. Like, I was like one of the first people I ever spoke to, and he was cool as hell with me. Like, cracked jokes with me every day, shook my hand, all that. And then to see him post 
post that thing he posted on his Instagram the other day, like that's that kind of hurt my heart to be honest. Cause I'm like, yo, I thought B was cool, man. You would think you would think a dude who played 12 years in NFL around all these black guys would have a certain feeling or hearing stories about, you know, dudes that he he, he put blood, sweat, pain, and tears in, and he still feel that way. That just shows you like it gotta be those small circles that gotta be attacked. So like I feel like as long as you as you champion the cause around the people who feel comfortable enough to say this stuff like behind closed doors, that's where it needs to change. You need to stop having those conversations behind closed doors and start pushing people out to the forefront. Like, yo, if you feel this way, then this is how, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like this is this is what it is. Like, this is what they're trying to say. This is what they're trying to prove because it's always that small group of people that's going to take the message and try to twist it to every, whatever agenda they got. Um, I'm not familiar with what Brian said. I haven't seen it. What did he say? <laughs> he posted <laughs> He posted on his Instagram, he posted, he posted a joint that said, Brett Favre went out on Monday night, threw four touchdowns after his dad died, and we got NBA players, you know, boycotting games because uh, a dude who has a warrant to, for rape and had a knife get shot type of thing. So, um, Nothing. Bro, I mean, it's, it's just like what? It's, it's like what? It's what Bone said, man. It's like. Like, nobody's really expecting them to come out and say, listen, I, I totally get what you guys are going through, man. Like, I, we need to change. It's just, I, I, I don't need you to understand. I just need you to feel for us and say that, you know, we're going to stand with you. We, we believe there's, we need change. Um, and, and we're not going to sit here for this injustice anymore. Um, and, yeah, that whole Brian Urlock thing, that's, it's crazy because out of anybody, you know, a professional athlete, especially one, a, a star caliber professional athlete in the league, he knows that his platform uh, is huge and the reach he could get off that platform is huge. So it's, it's not, it's not like a good thing to use your platform. It's almost your duty to use your platform for good to voice uh, for change. And the fact that he's going to use that platform to say some shit like that, like, that's wild to me. But um, yeah, I, I think the best thing, like you back to your question saying, what can we do? It's just, you know, stand beside and say, listen, I believe you guys. It's, it's not, it's not, it's no more, but it, Hey, this guy had this, you know, he was, he had a, a warrant for sexual assault. That has nothing to do with it. We just want you to say it's unjust and we need change and stand beside us. You know, you don't need to go out of your way and, you know, go to every protest. You don't need to go get a BLM tattoo. You don't get need to wear a BLM shirt. Just say you understand and leave the butts out of it. You know, I, it doesn't need to be black lives matter, but, you know, just say Black Lives Matter and leave it at that. Just understand our pain right now and try to get the change going. Yeah, I agree. And the main thing I've been telling people is, like, I feel like it's going to start – I feel like a big part of it is going to be with the next generation. So I've been telling people, you know, tell your kids. Just teach your kids wrong from right. Educate your kids on what's really happening in the world and just let them know, like, this is not right. Like, things like that, you know, just show them – you don't have to show them anything too gruesome, but just show them, you know, two situations where a black guy and a white guy has been put in that same situation and just show them the two different outcomes and just let them know how that's not fair, that's not right. Someone should be treated a, a different way all because of their skin color and things like that. So that's been my main thing is just, like, educate your kids on what's wrong from right and, you know, educate them on what racism is and things like that and just, you know, teach them the right way. That actually uh, kind of remind me of something I – heard the other what a week or so ago about social media and it comes to these videos um while it is good to have all this camera footage 
of these police doing the wrong things, at what point is it too much to watch these young black men shot to death or paralyzed in the case of uh, Blake? I mean, my, my opinion too, my opinion on it is that for a long time, I feel like, especially in mainstream media, the um, the the plight of, of black life has always been monetized and dehumanized. And I think having those videos constantly played on social sites, yeah, you want to get it to people's eyes to see it, but clearly the the point, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's like the, the news that's important always gets overshadowed by what whatever message they're trying to get put across. So my thing is, um, like constantly showing the video is not really achieving nothing, but you just putting information out to people for them to still feel whatever way they feel. My thing is, if a certain video is, is like 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 the Jacob Blake thing, showing the video is not going to get the message across. My thing is showing the reaction like a fan or kind of like what the NBA players did and speaking to his, 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 his parents and seeing how what they did kind of help ease the pain of the parents. Like that's the stuff that needs to be talked about more. Like it's not the fact that just like, like putting it out there because I, I seen a video too. It was kind of, it kind of woke me up and it was talking about, you know, how white executives with all these big companies, how they'll sell stuff that that's demoralizing and dehumanizing to the black community. But when it comes to stuff that they can equate to, they're like, oh, no, you can't. We can't put that out. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of like how, how you know, with Cardi B and, and Megan Thee Stallion with that song, Wap, and how that how everybody was like, oh, why can't women? You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the point of the message. Like, if you got young girls listening to songs like that, at what point is it going to be detrimental to them for them to feel like it's okay for you to go out here and just talk? crazy about yourself and your body, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Women need to be empowered. Women, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Like, I understand there's certain things that you want to try to drive, but that's not the message that's going to empower a female. Like, I don't want my daughter to be empowered to feel like she can tell someone about her private parts. You know what I'm saying? Empower her to do other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't empower her to do that. Empower her to do other stuff. I'm not mad. You got your right to put out, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing I feel about with those these videos of shootings and stuff like that. It's like, don't put the video out because you think like, oh, you need to see this because you're going to get the same reactions every time. It, it doesn't, it never fails. Every time a video comes out, it's still those set, set of people going, why did he get shot? Well, why didn't he do this? Well, why didn't he do that? Instead of just saying, why is this man getting shot in the street for what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, part, the part of justice and due process is so that everybody gets their day in court. Why is it that you see some people getting shot and it's mostly people of color, but you don't see, you know what I'm saying? They're not putting out videos of white people getting shot by cops, even though they scream that white people get killed more by cops than black people do, but you don't see white people getting shot in the mainstream media all the time. All you see is black people. So that's my feeling about always putting these videos out is they're trying to dehumanize and get black people to the point where they feel numb with watching and they're just like, damn, this is the country I live in. This I got to accept it. No, we're not accepting it. And it, and it, until you start posting videos of white people getting shot by cops, I don't want to. I don't want to hear about you being mad about or complaining about why you're watching this black man get killed. Now back to the social media aspect. Uh, how sick are you guys being told to stick to sports? 
It's getting, it's getting old, I'll tell you that. It's getting, getting if real I could, if, old. If, yo, I, if I could fight 20 users, I would be in jail right now. That's what I'm saying. What? Like, I, I had a guy on my Twitter. I mean, it's, it's just hot. like, I mean, I, I remember, I remember tweets. Now, go ahead, G. Go ahead, G. No, nah, I was just saying, I had a guy that was hiding behind a fake Twitter profile, just talking. <laughs> I was like, I was like, show your face. Show the people who's really, who you really are and show them who this is that's saying all those craziness. And he was like, oh, no, this is the picture I prefer. It's my writer profile picture. Thank you very much. Like, no, nah, I don't want to. That's not what we're talking about. You come on my, you come on my page. Commenting on my stuff, talking crazy about I don't we don't need to be protesting games. If the CFL was in Zen season, y'all protesting games, it'd be a waste, blah, blah, blah. Like for what? Like we are we not humans, the athletes that y'all go watch and pay to pay to see us entertain y'all? Like are, do you think we're not humans? Do you think we're just robots out there? Like and then he said something about keep that keep that Black Lives Matter stuff in the South. And I was like, the majority of the people that's playing in the league are from the South or has something to do with the South. Like there's no such thing as keep it in the South. Like we are from the South and we come to play in your country. Yes. And we play and you pay to watch us play, but we are from the South and this is what we live in. So if we want to bring it and, you know, bring it to Canada, even though racism is still in Canada, there's no such thing as it's not in Canada. Keep it in the South. Like I've seen a lot of people from Saskatchewan show their real colors in the past few weeks on how racist they are. So like it, it doesn't make sense for him to say keep that Black Lives Matter stuff in the South. It just it just confuses me how they think athletes aren't human beings and athletes aren't in this real world. And people are saying things about LeBron, how he's not oppressed and stuff like that. Like LeBron grew up rough. Of course he's not in the same situation as a normal black guy because he's a millionaire and that's what he worked for. And they were mad at him for moving his family into a nice rich neighborhood. Like for what? Why are you mad that he put his family in a safe situation surrounded by white people? Doesn't that like not click in your head that this man had to put his family in a rich white neighborhood for them to be safe, for them to feel safe? Because people will say like, oh, why didn't he, why didn't he put a house in Chicago? Why did he put a house where he's from? Because it's not safe for black people there. Like it does not make sense. Does that make, not make sense to you? Like people, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. The logic, some people come on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that way. And Jordan, you've you've been known to fire back occasionally, uh, <laughs> once or twice, I think. Once or twice, once or twice in my lifetime. So, um, yeah, no, that it, it's I'm just, I'm just so tired of it. It's it's the same thing over and over. You know, they they don't have anything else to say, and it's like I'm just so sick of this narrative of you know you love me in that green jersey, but as soon as the game's done, I'm back to black skin, and and that narrative is it's just old. It's tired. It's played out. Um, you know, going back to what we just first said, you know, they, they, they talk about us not voicing our opinion and we should just shut up and play our sport and do our job. It's, I, I got a math major. I got a computer science mind. I feel like I'm educated enough to get my opinion, uh, compared to some of these other people, you know, who probably haven't even hit university or something like that. It's just, it, it's so, it's so tiring. It's so tiring hearing these fake fans who support us on the field, who will turn around and not support us in our day-to-day -day life because we're not entertaining them. We're not doing our job that they think we should be doing for them. So um, for those fake fans, it's just, you know, it's, you know, give it up. You know, it's, it's tiring. Like, it's, it's really tiring. We're sick of hearing this shit and, you know, 
We, we don't care. If, if y'all don't stand with us, if you don't stand with us as humans, then I promise you I don't want you as a fan. I don't want you cheering for me. You know, if, if you're not going to back me up out there, don't back me up on the field. You know I mean? It's got to go both ways. You don't get one and not the other. So, yeah. Here's my thing. I, it always interests me that for people who always want to scream at athletes to take the sports, and I'm trying to figure out when has social issues and politics never been intertwined with sport? I mean, what is the reason why we sing the national anthem before games? What is the reason why when you win a championship, you get to go to the White House or you get to go to, you know what I'm saying, wherever you go? Did you not know who Jesse Owens is and him running in the Olympics against, you know, Nazis and, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you not know who Jackie Robinson was? Did you not know who, you know, like, it's, it's, it's it, I'm trying to figure out, I hate when people say that because I'm trying to figure out when was there a time when sports never intertwined with social issues and politics? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've never heard of, of, of Ernie Davis or, or, um, What's the what's the the running back for? I'm throwing blank. My man was actually uh uh play lacrosse. Damn, what's Syracuse do? Thorpe. Yeah, like I'm 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 trying to figure out like when has sports and politics never been the same thing? Like essentially, sports has always been the driving factor for whatever agenda that has to deal with social issues and politics since the beginning of 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 time. So I'm trying to figure out why do people always feel like sports is always getting getting you know taken over by stuff that has nothing to do with playing a sport like i get it you pay money because you want to get entertained but at the at the same time you're rooting for people who you probably treat someone who's who you probably treat their family member on the street you wouldn't even know their family member from a can of paint and you could probably be treating their family member bad but if they get back and get the gifts back from the family member to them then you want to get upset like oh why are you you're messing with my entertainment. At this point, it's, it, at this point, it doesn't even matter. I was actually hoping that, that the NBA players stopped playing because that would have made a bigger statement than them going back to playing. See, again, the almighty dollar rules everything. So it doesn't matter how affected you are by stuff. If it got to do with money, the money going to overpower everything. And that's the thing that I hate the most. That's why I think why I respected Colin Kaepernick because he was willing to put that money on the line. Like, listen, I don't really care about getting the money because this stuff is still happening. If I don't stand up for it, you know what I'm saying? That's why I feel like Cap, Cap is, is a generational athlete for the simple fact that he put his money on the line. That's what Muhammad Ali did. He put his money on the line. Like, listen, they took the championship belt because he like, bro, I'm not fighting in the war for for you because you got an agenda. I ain't do nothing to them people. I ain't got no problem with them. What I'm going over there to kill them for you for? What do I look like? That's, that's why I feel like, that's how I feel with the whole issue. I'm like, do people not? Do people not? People want to bring up history when it when it when it counts for what argument they're trying to make. But they always like to live out certain tidbits or anything. You want to talk about history? Talk about the whole thing because it's all it's all intertwined. It's all the same thing. But honestly, and this is just my sp- point: people only care about politics in sports when it doesn't match with their politics. That's, That's the reason why they like the national anthem, but they don't like kneeling. That's why they like the uh, the military flyovers, but can't stand hearing anything about Black Lives Matter. So, What happened to us in 17 is sash. Um, yep. When we locked arms on the sideline, it pissed a lot of people off that we did that. We didn't even take a knee. We just locked arms and be like, yo, a lot of us come from America. A lot of us know the plight that, you know what I'm saying, we, watch, we, we, are, we know what Colin going through. We know what our people going through back home. We just wanted to show that just because we out the country, 
trying to provide and make money for our families don't mean we lost on what's going on. That was our way of showing support for the movement because we didn't know what to do neither. And we had a whole team meeting to figure it out. And I just remember talking in the media and people were like, well, why are you doing that up here? This is Canada, this is not the U.S. Well, I'm still a U.S. citizen at the end of the day. When this season is over and I'm done playing football, I got to go home to that. So why would I not want to put, put my two cents in and try to at least show that I understand what's going on back home or what I know what my people going to do back home. Like I said, I'm from New York. I got, I got my cousin. I, I, I heard my cousin. I watched my cousin get beat up by the cops because they thought he was selling drugs because he was just in the area. I had nothing to do with it. Watched him beat my cousin up, put him in cuffs, threw him in the car, beat him up, took him to the jail, beat him up some more. When he got home, his face masked. Had, we had no clue what happened to him. We couldn't, and we couldn't, and we felt helpless. We couldn't do nothing. We couldn't do nothing because it's like they, they got control of the videotapes in there. They can act like, oh, yeah, the security cameras wasn't on, so we don't know what happened to him. Type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, my cousin's sitting in the living room with his face half mangled because a bunch of white cops felt the need to beat him up because he was a black dude and they, and they wanted they, they wanted to reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of the people, especially in America, that's why I respect the, the Canadian, you know, police system because you got to have a college education to become a cop in Canada. They need to do stuff like that here in the U.S. because we got a bunch of high school dropouts dudes who was bullied in high school or who was punks, and they go get that badge because they want some power and they want to be able to, you know what I'm saying, make someone fear them. That's not, that's not what it's for. Exactly. That's exactly what the police force is here. It's so easy. And that's the crazy thing. It is so easy to become a police officer. You can just go down there and be like, hey, when, when can I apply? I just got out of high school. I ain't got nothing else to do. I want to be a police officer. Like, no, that, that should not be the case. And they're going to put you in the academy for six weeks or whatever, and then you go through your six weeks of training, you got you a gun in the badge. You're going to do whatever you want to do. Easy. No supervision. Easy. Gun in the badge. Go, go patrol the streets. Like, that, that is, it's, that's so crazy how easy it is to become a police officer out here. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy what we got to go through. And I, I, I like, the other day, I'll just be like, I've been trying to gather, like, a lot of information. Because normally, I, when I see, like, Jordan, I be wanting to chime in when Jordan be getting on people. But in my mind, it's like, I know how I'm going to react. I'm going to take it from the, from the tweets and jump in your DM and go send me your address. I'm going to pull up. Like, <laughs> <you know what laughs> I mean? like I'm, not, I'm not as civil as something. That's why sometimes I got to try to bite Bro, my be, tongue. I'll be biting that tongue. Trust me. I want I'll be, I want I'll be biting my tongue. so bad on the ass sometimes, but... I, I just I just got that I got I got Dickie's voice in the back of my head, you know, Ramsey, don't do it. So I just yeah. you know. <laughs> well see me yeah, right now, I ain't got, I ain't got no contracts to honestly I ain't got nothing to move, but I mean just my whole life, my whole life, man, I've been dealing with I've been dealing with people looking at me and having some type of bias and opinion about me. Like I remember I went to an all white preparatory school for a bunch of rich kids where I graduated from. Came from the hood, from from underprivileged backgrounds. I ended up going to school with, you know what I'm saying, Saudi Arabia and places, prep school, you know, that type of thing. Like, everybody that had money, kids pulling up in Range Rovers, limousines, private jets, like, I don't know nothing about that. But I remember my, my, um, my, one of the guidance counselors that he was actually one of the, he was an English teacher. I remember one day I turned in the paper and he, he told me to stay after class. So I'm thinking like, I'm like, damn, what the hell am I getting in trouble for? He gave me the paper. He goes, who wrote this for you? And I said, what? I said, what you mean who wrote this for me? He said this paper's this paper this paper's too well written. Like it's, it's structured perfectly. It's, it's the argument is perfect. Like this is a perfect paper. I had an A plus on the paper. He said, "Who wrote this for you?" 
I said, no one. I wrote it myself. He said, no one helped you with this. I said, no, I wrote it myself. Like, I actually know how to write. I like to write. He was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, this is impressive. And I was like, why is it, why is it impressive? Like, <laughs> all because you're black. Like, it makes no sense. Why, like, why no is sense. that so impressive? Why, why can't I not know how to write a paper? Because you know I'm from I'm from the hood, or you know what I'm saying? Like, why can't I not know how to write a paper? And that's something I've had to deal with my whole life. And and it always upset me when I hear people when they hear me talk, and they go, "Wow, man, you, you know how to articulate yourself, man. You're you're a well-spoken dude." I go, "Isn't that isn't that the key to being a man in society today? If you're going to be a man and be be successful society, since you know how to speak and be well-spoken, why should you look at a white dude and go, you expect him to talk like that?' But when you see me, it's a shocker. Like, oh, wow." I didn't even know you had that in you. Like, how, why is that normal? I hear that one, bro. See, that's stuff like I had to grow up with my whole life, and it's like that's why I always been like, like I also I'm, I'm I'm unapologetically black. Like I'm a rebel. If you if you show me that you got some bias towards how I'm moving, then you, that forever tells me who you are. I don't got to treat you a certain way. Anymore. I'm gonna treat you how you should be treated, and that's always been. Why I feel like a lot of people have problems with me is because I'm 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 a realist. I'm gonna tell you exactly how it is. Like I know you were judging me based on the fact that you thought I was stupid. So since you think I'm stupid, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna play you like you dumb. So he like he just said he's unapologetically black. Have you Jordan or Chad ever felt like you needed to change the way you are just to fit in amongst people that don't know you that well? Oh, absolutely. I mean. I, I was kind of in the same position as Bone was growing up. I went to a private school growing up, uh, rich, definitely white private school. Um, and, you know, I heard, I heard a lot of those, a lot of racist remarks back then, but, you know, growing up in there, there's not much I could do. You know, I'm, I'm the lone ranger there. Um, but yeah, you know, same thing, you know, they pulling up in their Benzes, their, you know, Beamers and all that. You know, I'm pulling up in my little O one Malibu. Um, but it just, I felt like I had to, you know, I had to talk properly. I'll, I'll never forget um, grade seven, I had English class. And, you know, I was in English class and we all had to read, you know, when you used to read the book and everybody go down the row, everybody say something. And I started reading and, you know, I, I put a little slang on the words, you know, didn't, didn't say my G's, you know, didn't, yeah, I put a little, little bit of inflection where it shouldn't have been. And the teacher told me, stop reading, pack my books up go to the library until I can speak proper English. And it's like, you know, that kind of, I don't, I don't think much of it at the time, but, you know, growing up thinking about that now, it's like, you know, that, that, that kind of shit's embarrassing for a teacher to say that to a kid or and in bone situation, like for him to be surprised about that kind of stuff, like, like they expect us to fail and they're shocked when we succeed. So um, I definitely, I definitely feel like I'd have to change my entire personality to fit in that school. And then, once I realized and was comfortable with who I actually was, you know, I, I left that school because I didn't fit in. I don't have one friend from that school that I still hang out with. And, you know, once I realized who I was and I stayed true to it, you know, I never look back. I don't, I don't change for anybody now. Uh, if you don't like who I am now, that's your problem. It's not my problem. I don't got time to try to make you my friend or make you like me. Don't care. Right. It is what it is. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, I went to a um, like Gardner Webb. It's a it's a private Christian school, so it's full of full of white people, full of rich people, full of people that got money. 
and I've always been, you know, like a, a respectable, you know, respectable young man. So I was already respectable to my teachers and stuff like that. But as far as like, you know, trying to fit in, you know, with the white people, you know, dress like they dress, talk like they talk. No, I mean, I was, I was who I was. I mean, if you felt a certain type of way because I didn't, I guess, fit in with the majority of the people that was at the school, if I always hung out with the football players and I'm just going, you know, I was going to be who I, who I was. But, you know, I've been judged and looked at differently. Like we had, we had Chick-fil-A at our school and it was me and my homeboy, Aaron Cook. We were going to get something to eat. We had an away game, so it was a Friday. We were going to get something to eat on the, for, before we got on the bus. We were in Chick-fil-A. We had just left the meeting, so we, we had our packets, our defensive packets for the, uh, you know, like the, the game plan and stuff for the weekend, and we put it in our sweatshirt pocket. Well, he put his in his sweatshirt pocket. I had mine in my hand. We went in there just to grab a chicken sandwich, you know, some fries and lemonade. So we get up to the front. You know, he put his chicken sandwich down, his fries, his drink. She starts to ring it up. And then she asked. She was like, is that the only thing you have? How many chicken sandwiches do you have? He was like, I have one chicken sandwich. I gave you my one chicken sandwich, my fries, my drink. She was like, you sure? So what's that in your sweatshirt pocket? And we were like, what do you mean? So he pulls out his packet of football notes and shoulder. This is what I have in my sweatshirt pocket. And at that point, it's just like, I didn't even want the shit. I didn't even want the Chick-fil-A. Like, you think we're in here stealing? First off, it's free points. So we get about, like, $300 of, they call flex points in college, where we can spend on Chick-fil-A, you know, a little canteen or whatever, all the different things on campus. So it's free points, free money. So you think we're going to come in here at Chick-fil-A to steal a chicken sandwich that we're not even really paying for? It's free money that the school is giving us? So, like, stuff like that. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't know. So I never – we never changed. He had dreads. He had. He went in there with his hoodie on, but that that doesn't mean anything. Like so, no, we we're not going to change the way we look and the way we are just because we don't fit in with our surroundings. Uh, to circle back to the social media thing, Shaq Evans was very vocal this week about people's reaction to the Riders Black Lives Matter post. That I was embarrassed to be a Rider fan, but um. And he came out saying he doesn't know if he wants to play here any longer or ever again. Have you guys ever felt that way? Yeah. Bone <laughs> 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 definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, nah, to be honest, though, to be honest, though, um, like my first time in Sats, it's just, it's, it's, um, like I knew I was getting special treatment just for the simple fact that everybody knew, like everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew I was a football player. And it's pretty common knowledge, like, if you've ever been to Regina, if you see a big black guy walking through the city, you already know, like, yeah, that's a football player. Because you, you, don't, you don't see guys like that too often who, like, live and stay in Regina. So most of the time, if you see a dude like that, you're automatically going to assume, like, oh, you, you're a rider. Then, huh? Or if they don't know who you are yet, then they're going to assume you're a rider. So, I mean, I mean, to be honest, like, like I always tell people, I never had like a blatant racist moment, like like a blatant racist moment where I was like, wow, like you really just, it's always been like real under, underlying. But like I said, I grew up in, in such like crazy moments that it's almost become second nature to kind of catch, like I could catch the cues even before it happened. So like, I know like when I'm walking up to the door of a, of a, rest, of a restaurant or a bar and I can see the, 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 the look the bouncers already giving me. So I already know, like, when I walk up to him, I got to be like, hey, how you doing, man? You know what I'm saying? Like, just be polite type of thing. Because, one, 
one, as an athlete, you already get stereotyped being cocky or being arrogant or being, you know, feeling like you're bigger than society and stuff. And it's a double negative if you're a big black guy who feels that way, because then it's going to be people who feel like they need to bring you back down to earth. So, um, like I said, I, I didn't realize how bad it was until we had that moment at 17 where we kind of locked on before the game. And it kind of got a little like, you know, my, like my Twitter got a, got a little spicy with people being upset about us doing it. And I always and I always been the first one to say, like, listen, it's nothing against Canada, nothing against Canadian people. We're all happy and we all know we're privileged to be able to play a child's game for a living and be able to do it in another country. But at the same time, we're still real people. We still have real issues and we still want to have to be able to acknowledge and support those issues because when I'm not wearing this jersey no more, that's what I have to go back to. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's Sacks is prairie country, man. Anybody who's farmland, grew up on farms and secluded from the world, they don't really know what the world is like. They just know what their own little bubble is. And that's what I always said about Canadian people is that I don't think people, like, Canadian people are racist, like, by, by like, creed, by, like, teaching. They're just racist because they don't know any better. Like, they just don't know outside of their culture, outside of their bubble. And that's what it was in Calgary for me. Like, I realized people outside of the, that Calgarian bubble, they just don't know what else is going on out there because normally they don't leave that Calgarian bubble. They just know what their, their little bubble is. So, um... Because I had a teammate who was from Calgary, and this he would say stuff that was just like, bro, like, what? Like, do you realize you just said some really racist shit? But he didn't know anybody. He thought he was just, he was just voicing what he knew. Yeah. I'm going to have lock the gates. I don't think you left in the night in here. All right. Let's hold and see if we're going to get a situation right here. <laughs> yeah, right? I was about to say. I was, yeah, like, I was going to say, holy yeah. shit. Hey, yeah, screen, hopefully we're screen it. recording right now. <laughs> got to lay the part, man. You good? Yeah, you good? I, I was about to say, that sounded like the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw a big, I saw a red light. <laughs> I was like, no way. <laughs> got to lay the part, man. I'm about to get yeah. in the car and leave. <laughs> Um, but no, for, for your question, uh, like, I'm, I'm not going to let a couple of these racist fans ruin the good fans in SAS. SAS got the best fans, and no, nobody could deny that. Um, the, everybody got racist. Every province got racist people, too. You know what I mean? So the fact that, you know, there are some fans who are racist and do don't support, you know, our man, what we're talking about right now. You know, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. Uh, for them to voice it is, is a little more shocking to me. But, you know, they're, they're not going to deter me from loving Sass, loving playing there, and loving all the true fans. Um, I just ignore them. I mean, I don't, I, I don't ignore them right away, but I eventually ignore them after. <laughs> yeah, you good? You ain't got no smoke, man. Yeah. Well, no, I'm good. Good, man. I'm good. here, bro. <laughs> good. I just got to get in the park. I mean, get in the car and leave the park. I was out here hooping. They said the park closed. I got to leave, so I'm going to get up out of here. You said I'm going to prop the phone up. No, that's why um, I'm glad we, you was talking about that, though, because I made that tweet. I made a tweet a couple days ago. I was like, I really wanted to know. I really wonder how the, sand, the size fans would uh, react if we had a season and we boycotted the game. And I got so many crazy tweets about it. People were like, oh, no, I'll be mad because I paid to watch y'all play, and that's what y'all need to do. Y'all need to entertain. Y'all need... I'm like, whoa, what? So like, what do you mean? I had a guy I had a guy tell me, he was like, are you familiar with season ticket holders? 
like, oh, yes? Well, what does that mean? Like, is this is something bigger than football. This is something bigger than the game. If we boycott it, if you don't – I was like, if we boycott the game, if you don't want to come and pay to watch us play anymore, like, we don't care. Like, I'm sorry, but we do not care if you don't want to come support us after we boycott a game because this is something way bigger than football. So, I like, I, I, I – no, go ahead. No, I can honestly tell you, I'm a season ticket holder, and I would have been fine with it. But, yeah, it's just like the, the two fans are. Yeah, the, like the truth, the people that really realize what's going on out here in the world and know this is something way bigger than football, way bigger than the game. Like y'all understand, and for the people that don't, it's just like I don't understand how you can be so closed-minded to where you think, "Oh, I pay, I paid for these tickets, so y'all better play no matter what." Like, it's some, com- it's some community-owned teams, man. I don't know what it is about the community-owned teams, but they feel like it's, it's like kind of like how the owners and stuff look at it. It's kind of like, I pay your salary. You need to do what we want. It doesn't matter, like, how you feel type of thing. That's why I always hate with fans hitting me with the, our, our ticket money pays your salary. I'm like, I'm like, bro, honestly, our salary really comes from the TV deal. If, if, you, if you know, if you, if you know, if you know the politics, the, 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 Player payroll comes from TV money. It doesn't come from ticket sales. Ticket sales goes to the league. It don't go to us. So you paying for Randy and Brosie. You paying for, you know what I'm saying? You paying for that. You ain't paying for me. So I don't know why you feel like you feel entitled to tell me what I need to do because you think you're playing my salary. And, and, and people, used to always, people used to always think I was, like, arrogant or cocky saying stuff like that. I'm like, no, I'm just telling you what it is. Like, you, you just don't understand what the structure is. Exactly. Well, guys, I've taken a lot of your time. Uh, if you guys got a parting message, and then we, we can wrap this up. Hey, man, all I got to say is Black Lives Matter. Um, hopefully they figure out how to uh, – actually, you know what? I'm going to close out on the defund the police thing because I'm a firm believer in that, and I always hate when people say that defund the police means no police. No, it does not mean no police. Yes, we do want police officers patrolling the community, but I don't think, like, in my personal case, NYPD does not need $6 billion so that they yeah, can buy whatever the hell they want. That's a, that's a small military force. That's not a police force. So when I say defund the police, I mean, take a billion or two dollars and put that back into the community. Give it to the underprivileged communities. Help put some housing up. Help educate the kids better so that they could become better members of society. If you, if you don't want to be scared of people give them chances to advance in life. Don't give them chances to be starving and hungry and, and stricken and they get mad when you're walking around here flossing and they want to take your shit. So when I say defund the police, I'm saying take some of that money for the police, put it back. Police don't need billions of dollars to fund themselves. They don't need military-grade equipment. They don't need fancy cars. They don't need none of that. All they, only thing they need to do is more training on how to de-escalate situations how to keep the community safe and controlled. That's it. Sir. Yes, sir. Well said, Bone. I'll close out. I'll close out with the Black Lives Matter then, Bone. Black Lives Matter. And if you are that ignorant to say, well, what if you're a white person and you say, well, what about our lives? Our lives matter too. Like, no shit. Black Lives Matter does not mean black people are the only thing that matter in this world. We are simply saying black lives matter just as equivalent as a white person lives. Like, it, it, that's it. We are not saying our lives are the only ones that matters. We are fighting for our lives to matter just as equivalent to a white guy's life or a white woman's life or 
Like, that's it. Like, so Black Lives Matter. Like, please don't be that closed-minded to where you cannot understand that simple concept. And I don't understand, like, what are you fighting for? Like, why are you fighting against Black people wanting to be equal as a white man? Like, it, I, I just, it just blows my mind that people fight that so much. I'll just say, you know, don't be, don't be scared to have this conversation. This is the conversation that nobody wants to have, but it's the only one that needs to be had right now. So, you know, go to those friends who you know kind of have that, that little itch that might be on the other side of the line and, you know, talk to them. Like, open their eyes up to this stuff and, you know, talk to the people that normally wouldn't be talking to us. You know, that's why, that's why I talk to my brother a lot about this because, you know, he's in the NHL. He's in a white white dominant league he's the one percent of that league and for him to reach that kind of circle and get those kind of guys having this conversation like that those are the kind of circles we need to have this conversation because you know me bone and g we talk about this stuff every day day in day out all day they never talk about it because they they can't they don't understand what to talk about so they, they they're the ones that need to be you know listening and actively having these conversations and you know just it's 2020 y'all like shit go up man <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say like it's it's crazy but it's crazy now that we're still talking about this like in 2020 we talking about races being equal just just have this talk man get this out black lives matter i want to thank you guys so much for this conversation like i said the three me alex and steve we, we could talk circles around this and still not be able to hit the weight you guys did. So thank you very much for this. And I'd love to do this again. Thank you for having us. Yeah, appreciate yeah, it, Greg. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, G. I want to once again thank Chad Jeter, Derek Dennis, and Jordan Reeves for joining me on this conversation. It's I find it very important. And please use your voice. We need more people out there who are willing to speak up for stuff that's going on. I hope you guys found this as enlightening and uh, enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for listening.